sci-fi cross-sections. What does that mean? It means buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, because Kansas is going bye-bye. All right, welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. Today we are talking about the Matrix. It's a big one. The 20th uh, anniversary here. Yes, it is. Um, That's why we're talking about it, dissecting it and telling you what we we think about it. I just hijacked the podcast. You do it a lot. (laughs) All right. So before we go around, or begin, I should say, uh, let's go around just to let everyone know who's here. Jam-packed show today yeah this is this yeah. is a big one uh i am matt and i am here <laughs> <laughs> present this is mark <laughs> this is eric jason <laughs> ben young andrew's back it's bill i'm glad everyone is so fucking enthused tonight. <laughs> <laughs> mark, uh, mark i barely nervous. heard you say that you yeah went. matt you, you just like derailed it there but I'm just nervous because everyone seems all giddy and like also like the Matrix probably shouldn't be an hour and 47 minute podcast. <laughs> so Somehow we managed to have more people for this cast than we did at Astra. Which is stupid. I mean, who wouldn't see at Astra? It's not. We a, all did. Well, yeah, it's man. not the didn't want to see at Astra. It was the I was at work from like 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Yeah, and what do I say Matrix. about work? <laughs> Quit. Quit your Not job. today. <laughs> Not today, Not Satan. <laughs> okay, so uh, The Matrix, directed by the Wachowskis, starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, and Joe Pantoliano. That's so weird. I always thought it was Carrie Ann. Take 27. Yeah, it came out in 1999. Um, a budget of $63 million. It's pretty healthy. That's for 1999. That's, that's heavy that, for 1999. That's yeah, that's a big budget. But the choreography shows it. Though. The choreography, the the, the effects, well, the CGI that, that, was the, fantastic. The, for the, the like age the bullet too. time cameras that they yeah. used. That was like cutting edge at the yeah. time. So. Just the rentals on that was a huge chunk. I think they developed some technology. They did. They did. I think mm-hmm. well, bullet time. I think they invented. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because then then they used the hell out of it and everything they did. Everything used the <laughs> hell like, out of it after special 1999. Special effects in general that year were huge. Because I know Industrial Light and Magic uh, developed a lot of new technology for Star Wars. So, But here's the really important thing. It's not in the butthole. Special effects were only good on the Matrix. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Because then, I know you're talking about the Phantom Menace. That is the one that came up then, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which one did better, though? Box oh, shit. Because get ready for this. This fucking movie made four hundred sixty-three point five million dollars. Star Wars probably still in its did first better. year, or in general. That's total. That's total. It's twenty years removed. They're just gonna put the total on there. Does that include the Trinity poster sales? No. Uh, that <laughs> That's ten hundred million in general. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. I was an English major. I do not know numbers. Um, shit. All right, we're just gonna dive right in, boys. 
Sounds good. All right. Take so, us on a journey. Oh, I had a summary ready for those who right. haven't seen The Matrix. I, do we, uh, for, I <laughs> talked to somebody who hadn't seen The Matrix today. Really? Okay. Yeah. Long, long time ago. You know what? Yeah, I guess <laughs> I told you've had 20, 20 years. There are In people a program. Ben, go ahead. I just closed it. <laughs> I thought it was a real Paneliano over here. <laughs> Start the podcast over. <laughs> this is so well, you know what they say ignorance is bliss. Who says that? Paneliano. Joe Paneliano. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> We're gonna get a cease and desist from this guy. <laughs> really? Just call him Teddy. His mother calls him that. <laughs> All right. He's got bad uh, I just out. picked He's a random one. In the near future, a computer. Wait, I gotta go 90s. <clears throat> In the near future, a computer hacker nicknamed Neo discovers that all life on Earth may be nothing more than an elaborate facade created by malevolent cyber intelligence for the purpose of placating us while our life essences farmed to fuel the Matrix's campaign of domination in the real world. He joins like-minded rebel warriors Morpheus and Trinity in their struggle to overthrow the Matrix. I think you said at least five or six words that are slightly higher than the average American vocabulary. I have a question. Also, that was like all two sentences. Oh, so two run-on sentences? It was two run-on sentences. Colons and hyphens. Two run-on walls. Just a lot of adjectives. Yeah. So was it he started it. He just bullet-timed through the rest of the show. just continued once. Can machines be malevolent? Do machines have a morality? when we start this podcast. To correct you, they're malevolent cyber intelligences. So, yeah. They have a degree. Malevolent. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have a degree. They're highly qualified artificial intelligence. <laughs> All right, we're gonna uh, jump right into the beginning of this movie with, uh, while well, skipping the chase scene with Trinity and, uh, and it's the prologue. Yeah, we're gonna jump right. Thank you, Ben. We're gonna jump right into uh, Neo waking up at his desk. Very nineteen ninety nine. Uh, I know I slept at my desk a lot in '99. Uh-huh. You listened to you listened to CDs and yeah, listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say I liked that they didn't try to BS you with a bunch of hacker stuff. They just had him like wake up and start going through other stuff. They didn't have him like cut into the room and he's. Clicking away at his keyboard, hacking into something. Yeah, like, which one? Bit of they did lean into the aesthetic. He's got that yeah. ergonomic split keyboard. Yeah. He's got like all the crazy, you know, just yeah. computer paraphernalia. He's got the programs and the book. He's, he's incredibly handsome. Uh, You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, there is not a single <laughs> computer user in the world that is incredibly handsome. So. <laughs> I thought you were going to say there's not a single computer in the world that can't resist Keanu Reeves. <laughs> also true. It's also uh, a true statement. Uh, speaking of that book, did you catch the title of it? Mm-hmm. Simulation and Simulacra. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to? I have a big note about simula- uh, Simulacra and Simulation. Go ahead. It is a 1981 philosophical treatise by. John Bedrillard, in which the author seeks to examine the relationships between reality, symbols, and society, in particular, the significations and symbolism of culture and media involved in constructing an understanding of shared existence. 
It's so weird. That feels so out of place. Hmm. Hmm. I, yeah, no, this isn't... I don't see how it applies. It's not like it's a foreshadowing of the entire... Hammer, meat, nail. So, Neo wakes up, because uh, he can hear, apparently... He can hear, the, yeah. The CRT messages. or whatever is, uh, yeah, making well, noise. or did they wake him up? Ooh. Or did he just wake did up? Did they use his... Did they use their... They know everything that's going on at all times, so... Or they know he's about to wake up, yeah. and so they type it on his... Program computer. Neo equals waking up value mm. one. It's supposedly Morpheus or Trinity that's talking to it, but I like to Trinity. think that it was Tank. It could be well, a it's... Tank on their... Uh, they wake him up and they... Uh, actually, Bill, why don't you describe what happens here? Because I think oh. you're really jazzed about it. Oh, no, no, no. He wakes up and it says... Uh, Wake up, Neo, and all that stuff, and he, you know what, you take it over, please, God. Follow the white <laughs> robot. <laughs> yes. You know what, Mark, you take it over. Oh, yeah, yeah, we Mark, are going Mark you do it. Yeah, you have to talk that. a lot. <laughs> yeah, they say all those... They say all those words and sentences to him. So, the big thing to take away is follow the white rabbit. Yeah. Um, knock, knock, Neo, at the door. You looked at me like I said that correctly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Knock, knock, at the door. He goes, there. there's a guy buying... What is the guy buying from he's, him? So, I, from the synopsis that I read, he's buying a piece of software that deletes... Um, parking tickets. Parking tickets. Oh. And I was going to say, Chewy... His name's Choi, but Schwa. I told you... It's actually Schwa. Yeah. He, he spent $2,000 on that. He must have a shitload <laughs> more in parking tickets. Well, if people come to him and I pay was about him to say I guess if people did come, then yeah, it's kind of like a business investment. Yeah. So, so. The people, movie they will come. takes place in 1999, but it came out in, or it was filmed in like 98, I'm assuming. So, yeah, probably a lot of that. So they probably thought the future, 99, was going to be a wild with parking tickets. So they thought that was going to be <laughs> <laughs> Parking, Park, parking ticket I mean, fraud I mean, is the future. The I think yeah. the city is New York. I mean, it's already No, bad. actually, so we looked this up, me and uh, Botkers. They wanted it to just be a... Like non, city. Yeah. just like a fictional, just a fictional American city. Sure, right? all right, all right. And uh, but I mean, it was like, actually filmed in Australia, in Melbourne. It's very representative of Melbourne. New York. No, I don't think it. Was, I thought they said Sydney, and then they just might have knocked out. The Completely filmed in in, the in Australia. That's cool. That's interesting. But uh, they just wanted to make it. There was like nothing to tie it to a city. That they strictly did that. They didn't want any type of landmarks involved. Called Adam Matrix. So. I just wanted to set it up. Uh, the names of the people at the door were Schwa de Jour, yeah. which in French means French. French. <laughs> in French, in my, French if you were to parler Francais, <laughs> means, <laughs> means uh, the choice of the day, which is what happens the entire like prologue. So... Yeah. 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 The whole choice thing comes back. Like, at, the whole movie. Every single, every single scene... At the beginning is like a choice. Uh, anyway, we can move on to that when we get to the office. It's it's really funny though that like nowadays people smash the Wachowskis for their lack of subtlety. When back then we were like, yeah, give it to us. It was stuffed down <laughs> our throats. The entire movie stuffs philosophy we cool down your it. throat. We were cool with it once, and then after that we're like, all right, stop. We're well, not as dumb as you think we are. There's, there's also those, those keywords that uh, he says. Jesus Christ, you're my savior, man. Right. 
Yeah, completely. References to oh. Cash <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- you're my, he says you're my own personal Jesus uh, yeah, Christ. Yeah, you're my savior, my own, my personal Jesus Christ. And then uh, when he's talking, it's it's called mescaline. It's the only way to fly. <laughs> Reference to the end of the movie when he flies. You need to unplug. Reference to him yeah. becoming unplugged. This entire first act is just it's references. heavy. It's oh, heavy. It's yeah. just yeah. illusion. Not to mention the reference to when he takes all that mescaline. So then they go to my favorite part of the movie, where it's just one giant club that listens to Rob Zombie and wears Louder. leather. <laughs> Loudly, they all wear leather. Everybody loudly laden and leather. It's all. It's like it's clearly in somebody's old abandoned house that they own. It's actually <laughs> a real uh, BDSM club. And they just told the regulars to come as come they usually later. come. Like come as you are. Yeah, literally, they were just like, "We're gonna film a scene here. Just come as you usually just come. Just daddy. do your normal just, thing. Yeah. yeah, do your own thing. We'll be over here filming." That was it. That, that, that's true. They normal Friday that. night in Sydney. That's where they found Carrie Ann Moss. <laughs> <laughs> like now you want to be in a really movie? Get a cease and desist. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes, there uh, Neo meets Trinity. Uh, she whispers some sweet somethings into his ear. <laughs> yeah, your truth. world is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> if a girl came yeah, up to me and said that my world was a lie, I'd be like, you're right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but he still doesn't like believe it yet. It just keeps piquing his curiosity. No, this is some, some, some sweet somethings for uh, sure. <laughs> next morning, goes to work. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I actually just remembered because I, I don't have notes because I'm not a nerd. But uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. That's I'm kidding. cool, Ben. That's cool. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I uh, I wanted to talk about. Oh no, my nerd bashing oh, made me no, forget. You had notes. Sort of physical representation no, you could reference. Uh, something I never noticed about the movie. I've seen it a lot of times. I, I for the for as many times as I've seen the movie, I've rarely watched the beginning of the movie. Because it, it it was often one of those things where it was like I'm gonna catch the I catch it on USA or or FX or something and I just like oh yeah Matrix and I just watch the right but I so I rarely see in the beginning and I think it's interesting that first of all Neil points out that Trinity was the one who hacked the IRS mm-hmm. back in the day and she goes oh that was a long time ago and you know alluding to her age and then Neo uh, she we learn later on that all of the other people that they picked are hackers like and and that not only and i never and i never put the connection together that they're they're all hackers they all understand that the world they're in is fake and or something's wrong with it at least and they're trying to find morpheus which i thought was really interesting um not to mention that their names aren't their names it's their Hacker signature, right? Yeah. That's true. Which is which I also thought was interesting because I totally forgot that Neo was Tom Anderson. Like that was like a, a twist for me. I was like, "What? How could you forget?" Hugo Weaving says it every five I, I, seconds. I, I, I yeah, remember Neo, Neo Anderson. Anderson. I know, honestly, <laughs> Nino Anderson. I do. But it, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like the it, it's cool little world building that like these hackers. Like it just goes to show, like if Elon Musk was right that that this is the Matrix, he'd be gone already. So. Unless he can't get out, unless there's no Morpheus for him. That is true. Some great awakener. I wonder what Elon Musk's uh, hacker name is. The Musk. Musky. The Musky. <laughs> musky. Musky lounger. You are the one, Musky. <laughs> I'm just picturing him like hanging out at BDSM clubs, like looking around. Like, <laughs> so my, my next where, question is: Someone gonna come to me? Where's specifically Carrie Ann Moss? Where's so, Carrie Ann Moss? Elon, just listening to Prodigy and hoping for that one, phone call. What does that make Jeff Bezos though? 
Mr. Uh, Agent Smith. Yeah, I was going to say Agent <laughs> Smith. Yeah. Yeah. The Stay architect. at home. Order Maybe stuff the architect. He hates this Amazon. place. Our it's, prime it's orders. The, the it disgusts him. Okay, so uh, Neo goes to work. He gets a package from FedEx. The, I used to think those cell phones he gets were a fucking sweet. sweet. They were so cool. The, the slider Nokia yeah. phone. Yeah. Yeah. Those were so cool. Um, I wanted one so bad and I never got it. <laughs> um, and it's you gorgeous. wanted one as a seven-year-old. It's just an early prototype of the Assassin's Creed. Uh, <laughs> blade. Rust blade. Uh, Morpheus is freaking Neo out with... Oh, yeah, this is about to happen. Now, this is about Knowing to happen. exactly where everything is at all times. Yeah. Um, trying to get him out of the building, but he does say... What was it? When he gives Neo, it's always choice. He gives Neo the choices. You can go out this yeah. window, or you can go out in their custody. There are two and ways says, to leave either this way, building. Yeah. It's risky. I didn't catch that, like you know, the million times I watched it before. But he points it out. I have, I have something right before that. Okay, go ahead. When he's talking to his boss, his boss. Okay, sounds uh, like an agent, right? Looks like he's sounds a like an agent. Looks like an agent. Yep. And then also, also, he literally said, either you choose to be at your desk on time, or you choose to find another job. Right. So he's already got that this or that yeah. choice mm-hmm. for everything he's doing here. And what I love the most about this is I, I I don't think the way Morpheus was painting it out for him was that it was really a choice. It was like, you either do this or you're going to walk out with the agents and that's failure. They're all loaded choices. Like right. Everything's right. very like... It's a choice still, yeah. but it's right. a loaded choice. But, but it's objectively a failure. In this moment, like our hero fails oh, yeah, right off the bat. It's it's like getting it's like in being in a in a video game and like one of those games that lets you make a lot of choices and like right off the bat you make a bad choice and you get pushed along the bad track and you're like you're like damn if only I knew like immediately we get that we we see Neo as a fallible character so we're presented with the idea that he isn't the one. That this dude's full of shit and that Morpheus is wrong, especially as we learn more about Morpheus's fanaticism, which I thought was cool. A cool way to plant seeds of doubt early on in Neo. Yeah, I, I thought that scene was great because when he's standing outside the skyscraper and he's kind of hugging that like eye beam and he drops the sweet ass Nokia slider God, phone, to, phone. The, to the ground below. Um, eBay. It's uh, it kind of one of the main themes throughout the first Matrix film is his sense of doubt and his sense of self-doubt, which kind of plays off of like a character like Morpheus, who's like the believer. So I think to Ben's point, that was important because you get that distinction right off the bat that he couldn't follow through. He all it really would have taken him to do is, you know, to walk another five feet to that lift and he would have been home free, but he couldn't do it. It's interesting you point out it's these polar opposites of uh, the doubter and the believer. Mm -hmm. Every character... I, I guess I was on the crew, falls in the middle of that spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. That was also really cool. Um, Neo see- was literally a doubting Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> the biblical references are palpable. He's rubbing his head. <laughs> I had a mind explosion. I was struck by lightning. <laughs> yep, Satori. So he gets captured by the agents, though. Yeah, there's, oh, there's so many religious illusions uh, in this movie. It's outrageous. Um... And not not only Christianity, there's also Greek references as well, like Morpheus. Morpheus is the god of dreams. Nebuchadnezzar is a uh, Babylonian yes. king yep. on, the, on the hill of David, or made the city of David. Um, 
and a lot of that, like Morpheus and the fact that he wakes up from a dream within a dream within a dream, basically at the beginning of the movie. I don't know. Were they doing that yes. to the Matrix? Yeah. They, were, they were. So Morpheus was changing the Matrix and controlling his dreams, basically. Or no, they weren't things... dreams. It was happening. They really happened in the beginning. Yeah, but he woke up from it. Because he was drugged after he was bugged and then brought back to his house. So you, they so, they so sucked you, it out of him, remember? So you, interp you interpret um, talking to Trinity as being drugged and blacking out, and then you interpret Agent Smith being drugged and blacking no, out. No, no, I get what you're saying. Agent Smith, yes. Trinity, no. Trinity, it was just that was the end of the scene, and now he wakes up. He just stayed out too late. But it was like... The, the, <laughs> no, were, literally, they, literally, between the scenes, there was the alarm going off. They are 100% not dreams, because in one scene, Agent Smith puts some stupid bug in him, my least favorite part in the movie, and in the next scene, Trinity pulls it out of him. So it happened. We yeah, but know they it suck happened. it out of him in the Matrix. It's but, not but, but it, real. And they put it in him in the Matrix. But do, yeah. you, do you remember? So his interpretation of it, though, is that it's a dream. Because because he says, holy shit, it's real? Or Jesus Christ, that thing's real? Because he thought he was dreaming, but he wasn't. Exactly. But he, he wasn't. Thought, okay, that doesn't... Okay, I get that. I definitely get that. But okay. how did the blackout happen for, like, Trinity? Like, I'm just trying to figure that out. It was just a scene cut. Okay. So basically, he was out too late. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was listening to Ramstein. He got a little bit, you know, caught up unless in the, like the hostism. Unless there's Ramstein. like a symbolism thing going on there with the Bible that I don't get because yeah. I, don't, I didn't read it. But um, I, I, literally, he just, the so, scene's over. The reason Actually, that I'm so vehement Bible. about this is because I've gone 20 years thinking it. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Like, there's a lot of things like that for me. But like you don't, would you really want to see a scene where he's like, "Oh man, that was a weird conversation." Taxi, what am I gonna do? Man, the Trinity girl is really hot. What was it that leather? Hey, uh, to my apartment, please. I don't know where that is. Okay, it's this address. To me, to me though, that scene too. Like, can, I, can I get no mail on that, please? No, no mayo. No mayo. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna to put mayo on it. I just know. <laughs> Jesus, they put mayo on every time. No, we just we just cut to him waking up. Okay, that's well, fair. That whole first act, if you think about it, so when he meets Trinity in the club, and then you know he wakes up and it's like nine thirty or whatever like that. So that's him starting to kind of like lose his grip on his you know normal life, and then I think it goes one step further. I actually love that scene where. Um, you know, he's being interrogated by the agents and then they put the bug in him and then his mouth, you know, like morphs closes over, really? closes up. Well, the reason I like it, I don't like that scene per se, but I like the fake out like aspect of it. So I like when he wakes up and he's like, oh, shit, it was just a dream, you know, whatever. And then you come to find out, no, that actually happened. I thought it was kind of clever. Um, I vaguely, because I hadn't seen the movie in a, a long time prior to watching it yesterday. So I vaguely knew that there was some sort of fake out going out in the beginning when I went back into it. And then it kind of came together and I was like, oh, okay. But I thought that was, um, it was an interesting way to set up the meeting with our, our hackers, our, you know, Matrix denizens. Yeah. Right, be before yeah, everything I, is explained to you, they're... Like, going into it, having already seen The Matrix 20 years ago or whatever, like, you know that they're in The Matrix, but all they're doing is breaking the rules of this world the whole time, and this is all happening before you should know that they're in The Matrix, so. Well, and that's the whole, like, dream aspect, the whole dream fake-out is a way for them to cover their bases, where right. they're like, they're like, no, 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 it's real, don't worry, mm -hmm. don't worry, no, that wasn't real, the, the real world is real, don't worry about it. 
And it's like, I feel like I don't I don't remember trailers for back then. I don't remember what they kind of heat teased and what they didn't. So I don't know if people walked into the theaters knowing about the whole concept or not. But if they didn't, like that moment when his mouth closes, people's minds would automatically go to, oh, this is a dream. And then he wakes up and you're like, OK. And then it turns out to be real. And that's the shock. It's like, oh, shit, that wasn't a dream. What's happening? What is happening in this world? So that's why it's built up. I, I just thought. I thought it all it could all be done except for that stupid bug. I thought that bug was the dumbest idea in the world solely because it's one the matrix and two they basically do the same thing to Morpheus with some I with like an injection. So why couldn't they just inject him with something now, except to be like shocking to the audience? If the worst idea is that bug, then the best idea is the fact that the bug sucker it plugs into the cigarette lighter of the car. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't I catch it. About it I didn't though. catch it the, the first 50 times I watched this movie, but when I was watching it yesterday. For analysis. They, yeah, yeah, they take the, uh, yeah, for analysis. So I caught that, yeah, the, the plug for that thing just goes right into the cigarette lighter of that, like, 63 Cadillac. <laughs> Honestly, I'm wondering why they showed that. <laughs> okay, so I, I missed that. The only thing I saw was uh, he actually... To turn on the lights on that type of car, I thought he like pulled a switch out. I thought that's, that's what that motion style was. Car thing. I didn't know that was a cigarette light. I thought that was him pulling out. No, they plug a thing in. That's funny. It's crazy. Wow. I, yeah. I feel wow. like they only put that bug. They like maybe kept that in the film because it was an important point there about it leaving the car and resolving back to be a part of the the, the imaginary world. Yeah, I mean, like it's was... it's a it's a tangible it's tangible evidence that that all happened. I get that. Well, and, and then but like coming out of the car and like morphing from being this <laughs> this like spidery, weird, crazy to being like this little like, you know, right. Looks like a little transmitter, you know, like bulb. Maybe right. they just want to do a really cool fucking scene. I yeah, mean, they had the effects budget. Why not? Well, and it was a visual representation of them. Bugging his yes. avatar. This is the first time I ever actually thought of a lot of stuff as this is just a physical representation of them putting a bug in, yeah. mm -hmm. like in his code. Right. It's oh. not in his yeah. physical body. It's just it's attached to his avatar. It's just a mm. bug in the code. There's so many things like that. that There's so yeah. many things like that when they're in the it's Matrix a good podcast. We have like, a good podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this might be my favorite podcast well, why don't you right now. Review it. I say no. I have an iTunes account. <laughs> Make one. Thanks, okay. Matt. Okay, but um, no, I noticed a lot of things like you know the bug, the pill. Uh, and then if you notice at the end, um, this is getting ahead of ourselves, but Agent Smith actually takes out his earpiece. Yeah. Kind of a physical manifestation saying he's taking himself out of the consciousness. He's off that, of their hive mind. Right, he's exactly. Off, off the hive mind. So I guess we can get to this later. We'll get to that later. I have, you said something before. And when I was watching, I was trying to think of what you were saying, and I interpreted it, I think, differently than you did. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Um, anyway, so this to conclude Act 1, he ends up with the hackers, uh, and he meets this... Uh, Charismatic leader, this cult leader, Morpheus. He does come off very culty in this. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I didn't realize how culty it was before. Mm -hmm. Like, he is literally the... Head of a it's fucking freeing cult. your mind, which is what all cult leaders and promise. just that shot in the sunglasses yeah. with the, the sunglasses reflection reflecting of the two, two pills. Pill. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 funny because like I, I I love this movie so much. It's my 
at the moment. Third someone, favorite. Someone forced me to make a list to, uh, today. Yes, yeah, today. It's my second favorite sci-fi film of all time. Um, but man, like, is right this after Event this this was this was woke shit before woke shit was a thing. Yeah, and like, I hate woke shit. Don't get me wrong. Like, I hate woke <laughs> living. I hate like waking yeah. up on time. <laughs> it's like you're in my bedroom with me. <laughs> is under the bed a part of the bedroom? It'd be concerning. I don't have a bed frame. Um it was it was woke before woke was cool. And despite that, despite my hatred for that kind of style, it's still so good and it's done so well and so like fictionally it's like it's supposed to be a little campy i think it's supposed to be like what is happening here like i don't really fucking I mean, get it for 1999 it was not campy i but i think it is a little bit like the whole like you're gonna dive into the rabbit hole and then all of a sudden he fucking pops out in this nightmare and i think it goes from this like oh god how bad could this be to holy shit this is awful i had my my volume turned up because the dialogue was really really quiet and like when he wakes up in the machine world, it was like, yeah, it was like that switch though. The movie takes a huge fucking turn. It mm -hmm. goes from, it just the looks like a normal movie yeah. with some, you know, pretty cool special effects of this bug and you know, what have you leather. <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> goes to this like street sharks, yeah. crazy ass it world of like hovercrafts. Yeah. It jumps up and electric machines that, have these giant towers that people are and just incubated in for their whole lives and then they're liquefied. We're 20 years removed and I was still impressed by it's the a, special yeah. effects at that it moment. It stands up. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the art direction, it they had a clear vision and I feel like that's the most important thing. We've talked about it a million times on this podcast. Those are the films that succeed and I feel like in this case, that's why this film, we're talking about 20 years later and influenced so much media that we've come to love is because when you have that switch, like to me, that's one of the best like moments in science fiction is when Neo wakes up in that pod and then all of a sudden it's just this hellscape because there's so much world building going on there, even though, I mean, the, the universe would be fleshed out later with like, you know, the Animatrix and the other films and the games and everything else like that. But at that point, there was no expanded universe for the Matrix. So they're building this nightmarish kind of future world just really in that, what, the first maybe 15 minutes of Act 2. And I thought it was extremely effective at kind of setting the stage for that whole universe. But what a horrific scene. I remember the first time. There's a few science fiction movies I've watched that fucked me up. And that scene fucked me up the first time I watched Matrix. Because I think I was, what, eight years old? Yeah. And, you know, it was the same thing. Like, I remember watching the original Terminator and, like, when you see, you know, him, like, cutting his eyeball out. Like, it just was, like, a lot, you know, to process when you're a kid because it's so just, like, gruesome. And I felt like even though it wasn't, you didn't really have necessarily, like, the body horror elements that you'd get later in certain aspects, like, it just was really heavy. And that whole scene where he goes down the chute and then into the big like you know waste water return thing and then they you know the ship finds him and they pick him up it was claw just machine. the claw they claw machine him it's just <laughs> it's heavy because the whole time i was trying to put myself in neo's shoes what would you do if you i mean you'd you couldn't fathom it you know the the average human mind could not handle this, it this brings me to 
to the act two, after that happens, they um, they process him, however you want to say it. Take the plugs, most of the plugs off his arms and stuff. <clears throat> um, and then Lawrence Fishburne takes him on this kind of, let me explain to you how this actually is. Um, what is it? The desert of the, the desert of the real. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> um, and I love that moment when Neo freaks out. Sure. And then he wakes up afterwards and Morpheus explains, we, you know, there's we a rule. Do this. We don't do this to people this old. Mm-hmm. I love that because yeah. that is the realest fucking that. thing ever is the older we get, the less likely we are to accept change. And we see that in our sure. everyday lives, the people we engage with. Um, which goes even further with later, not to jump ahead. That's but fine. I, I never understood the significance before. I don't know if I'm, I was. I put myself in an analytical position for this, maybe wherever. I, whereas I haven't before. I just watched it because it's great. Um, the everyone who's all the candidates who are there to be the one. Those Oracle. Are, kids. They're all yeah. kids. kids. They're all kids because that's who the other captains were targeting. Whereas Morpheus is seen even more as a crazy guy because he got this adult mm-hmm. who he brought to the party. They pay homage to a few classic films too. Like I, I feel like that was their third pole in the movie. They do. There's like a very Terminator esque thing going on when he enters this this real world. Mm-hmm. There's homage to Alien when they're you know this thing pulled out of his belly button, and then uh, that's like a that felt like Star Wars to me when they're like, oh, you're you're too old. You know what I mean? We don't we don't try people this old. I don't know. I just it just felt like I couldn't I couldn't that shake before, that thought before the time for in their case because episode three yeah. came after. Well, the, no, it was episode one. Just like episode four, right? A New Hope, where Obi Wan's telling Luke that. Oh, did they? Yeah, Luke. Oh, yeah, yeah Obi Wan mentions in uh, A New Hope that. No, um, wait. Is it five? Because okay. it's Yoda conversation, right? The, uh, he's too old. The Matrix. <laughs> I thought that was the Maybe first reference. Was yeah. Yoda being like, he's too old to train. Oh, yes, yeah. you are correct. My cap on, on, I guess, what we were just talking about. I found it really kind of refreshing that Morpheus never makes any excuses to Neo or really any apologies for what he did. He never says, oh, well... Sorry, man, kind of give you a raw deal. It was, I didn't say it would be easy. I just said, I'm going to present you with the truth. I'm going to present you with the real world. You made the choice. No. And ultimately, the I thought that. The truth is just sometimes harsh and disturbing. But it was steadfast, which I thought was great because he never really caved to that. I thought Morpheus was slightly apologetic, or at least sympathetic to what he's putting. Definitely, there's a difference yeah. between being, you know, apologizing for something and regretting it versus being like, I know there's no way that I could have properly prepared you for exactly what okay. the real world is going to be like versus this dream that you've been living all of your life. He even yeah. says there's no way that I can explain this to you. Right. right. You just have to see no it. one can so, say what the Matrix is. Um, no, but I was going to say Morpheus, I feel like he has such devout belief that he really, you know, believes he freed him into a better existence, you know? I feel like he says, I freed you from the chains of the Matrix. Absolutely. He f- and all of them feel that way, save for Cypher. All of them feel the same way, that they've been freed. Right. So Zion. he has nothing to apologize for. Right. He, he's sympathetic. He's, right. he, he, he's he like, gets it sucks, and he's sorry an that it adjustment, sucks. Right. But he's not sorry he did it. Right. Do you want to live this lie, or do you want to live... 
the truth, however harsh it might be. Do you want to be a slave or do you want to be an autonomous human being with your own? Not to jump too far ahead, but um, Cypher brings up a lot of good points. Hell yeah. What is it? What does it matter that the Matrix isn't real? You're still living your life and you're happy in this. It's not the real world, but it's there for a reason. Your brain tells you it tastes like steak. What else matters? Um, so Act 2 involves a lot of montages of Neo training and... Um, Wonderful action sequences. Uh, yes. Really the stuff that we kind of all... The stuff that my, me as a nine-year-old boy seeing this in the movie theaters came to see with my brother-in-law. He took me way too young to be seeing a rated R movie like that, but... Uh, Bullshit. Too much leather. I watched, I watched oh, Navy so Seals when I was four fucking years old, and it. <laughs> <laughs> I am the man, <laughs> Michael Bay. Yeah, yeah, we we I I don't know about him, but I think he brought me there for the kung fu action scenes, for the uh the, for the cool fights, and who who would have expected twenty years later me talking about this on a podcast you know who would have expected any of us i mean no one was going to see the matrix for the philosophical questions it was asking they were going for the kung fu sequence which right. is why they which walked is, out of that's the, the great thing about sci-fi <laughs> you get these philosophical questions wrapped oh, up in a neat little cyberpunk package with everybody i forgot, <laughs> I forgot and, how much i loved when mouse is like Morpheus and Neo are fighting, and no, everybody no, 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 just no, 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 no. drops what they're doing. Morpheus is fighting Neo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just drops their shit and sprints to go watch like, it. Literally jumping over tables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Piggybacking off of that, I remember very clearly my experience with this movie was my parents had gotten the DVD, and I asked if I could watch it, and my mom asked my dad if I could watch it. My dad said, "Fine, he won't understand it anyway." So I watched it for the Kung Fu and I understand it studied for the most part, but it was very confusing for small brain Ben. And, uh, but yeah, Child it's ben. the same thing. Not as cognitively developed you're impl- Ben. You're implying that. I was impl- I'm implying you were a child when you were like six. Right. But you're also implying that small brain Ben is constant and child Ben was then. So, but I think you're reading a little bit too much this, into it. This, uh, this act is there to kind of ease Neo into this new reality that he is. And he starts to accept this new reality in a way. Um, Even starts to like it. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, 10 hours straight of training stuff. Yeah, this guy's a machine. The ultimate montage. Yeah, that was that Which was is a weird compliment for the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, I lo- I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I loved when, when he finished the learning the programs and he literally goes, I know kung fu. <laughs> it's a classic line. Oh, Show me. It's so good. Show me. It's fantastic. So I, I just wanted to talk about the scene where uh, Morpheus and Neo sit down on the couches and talk about the apocalypse. Um, it's so interesting the things they talk about, right? Um, when he says, like, at the beginning, he's just like, I nobody can show or nobody can tell you what the Matrix is. They have to show you. And I feel like when he says it, he tells you straight up what it is. He says the Matrix is control, you know, in any form, literally in this movie, literally in this film, in this universe, the Matrix is a computer program to distract you from the horrifying existence that you're living in. Um, But if you take it as a metaphor, it's so interesting because the Matrix becomes 
whatever you dislike. You know, if you're conservative, the Matrix is liberals trying to control you. If you're a liberal, you're the conservatives trying to control you. If it's if it's, you know, the 1980s, it's communism that's trying to control you. You know, there's all these things. Or if you're living in capitalism and you're a communist, it's capitalism is trying to control me. It's anything. It's anything if you really look at it because it's like yeah so it's control that's that's the thing i picked up morpheus's line is the matrix is control so if you keep that in mind the entire movie it kind of takes a different sort of turn in your mind that that reflection kind of theme i feel like that's a bit ahead of its time because that's what they say uh the, like is done on the internet on a daily basis right now to control people's use of it is it reflects back at you what you believe especially the bad things about the world because that grips people so it goes oh are you afraid of this it's an echo chamber and then it's reflected back at you because they know that you'll you'll keep watching you'll keep reading you'll keep so that's way ahead of its time as far as how you know the internet controls they knew people. search op- search engine optimization before, yeah uh, search before engine optimization. yeah and also in the kung fu scenes it whooshes when they punch I, like I thought that, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, I like the part where he's you doing like that the, translation, yeah. Uh, that transition. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate it. So then we get into the next part where Morpheus takes uh, Neo to see the Oracle. It's something that every person that becomes woke has to do, and they do tell you that the Oracle is a computer program, right? Yes, but before this, remember Cipher meets with Smith, right? Yes, and and sets himself up as a piece of shit. And that excellent Chateaubriand's thing. I think that was the most interesting character in the movie. Oh, wonderful! He's he's great. I'd probably be him. But um, I forgot how <laughs> fast this movie moves. Yeah, yes. 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 but it's, it's a long movie. It's a long movie. We just watched Ad Astra, which is like. That. But like, I was like, I was like, damn, we're already at Cipher and Smith. Like, I feel like, yeah. like, like we're already coming up to well, the end, well, but we're not. When you think about it, though, there really. It, there aren't that many like set pieces in the movie. I mean, there are, but it, it's there it's are. pretty it's pretty linear as far there as are. once once they get to the real world. I mean, what happens? Um, not to like go into what happens, but it, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's actually more straightforward than I remember. But I don't think it's a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, once they get to the real world and they basically stay there for the or not the real world. I'm sorry, the Matrix world. They basically stay there for the remainder of the movie. Yeah, there are five main acts of this m- movie, which is weird because normally mo- you know, blockbusters like this will go with the three act structure. But for this has five acts, which is Neo's in the life in the Matrix and his awakening. It's uh, his training with Morpheus and accepting the world. It's his visit with the Oracle and Morpheus's sacrifice, and uh, then it's Morpheus's rescue and Neo's acceptance of the One. And they're very clearly marked too. Which is why it moves so fast is because when as soon as as soon as it's done with one with one act, it's immediately like, OK, on to the next. And it's so quick about it. Right. So act three is Morpheus's visit mm-hmm. or Morpheus and Neo's visit to uh, the Oracle. And she essentially tells him it ain't it, kid. Yep. <laughs> Here's a cookie. You ain't the one. This ain't it, chief. But she says it in the boast amazing prophecy vague like maybe you're just waiting for your next life but you know which is foreshadowing in its own (laughs) i love the first oracle um obviously i don't want to touch on the sequels too much but uh the the uh, oracle from the first matrix passed away before the 
second and third one came out, so they recast No, she was her. in the second one. She was in the second one. I think it's really, I just watched really the second important one. The third that, one. We, that we identify this as a standalone film and yes. not discuss yeah. the sequel yeah. at no, all. No, I agree, like, but I bit. love how motherly this computer program is. She's yes. very, you know, she's, she's set up that way. She's in some burned-out apartment, kind of, you know, talk, processing all these kids, seeing their capacity for being the one. Baking cookies. Baking cookies. Yeah, it's so put together while it's, you know, in the middle of the amidst chaos yeah. but like she's even the she's color a... schemes like the, even the kitchen and her yes. outfit match are like, green everything is everything, so yeah. like black and green and everything and, her, and hers <clears throat> is like vibrant using those same kind of tones i forgot to mention this uh any exterior scene that you see in the movie has all um all blue taken out of the scene yeah so it has a slight green tint mm-hmm. whenever there is any sort of scene it's very interesting with the oracle because she's wearing green and the walls are green and i just feel like it signifies that she's she is part of the matrix she's, she's part of the code yeah. that is the matrix it's also it's not so. just outside scenes it's indoor too right right we see it in the subway it, we see it so. just in the matrix though as soon as they yeah. go into the real world yeah. oh everything, yeah it's the, super blue everything is i don't know if it was just because you were uh, the exposure was not there, so once there was blue, it was like, holy Oh, blue. no, it was purposefully contrasting. It was done. very purposefully contrasting. So that scene is so cool because it's very interesting because what she says to Neo causes him to follow the path that he needs to, right? Despite the fact that she said, you're not a kid, saying you're not a kid made him do the things he needs to do, obviously, right? But yeah. before that, before that, she said, don't worry about the vase. Yeah. It was determinism. So that, she said, this will cook your noodle or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I hadn't have told you, would you have done it? Uh, Which is still okay. cooking my noodle. Yeah. That's cooking yeah. my noodle yeah. right <laughs> now, bro. has been cooking for 20 years. Oh, I thought it was really interesting when they first walked into the apartment building to go see Oracle. Uh, there was the guy sitting in the lobby with the, you know. The cane, the walking the, cane. The walking cane. Uh, the, you know, the presumably blind man, because he's got the shades on and it it, it doesn't look just, not just a cane it's like the white the red it's that, tip, yeah you know? the, the, the literal and morpheus nods to him and he nods back nice so when when they go into that that little foyer room neo comes back into it i don't remember does morpheus say she told you what or did she say what she needed to say or no, does he say it's, it's she told you what you needed for to hear you. Oh, it's entirely for you mm-hmm. because he was later, ready to tell him right then and there it's all bullshit it, like, i'm you not are the, the one, one. Etc. Okay. Etc. Uh, later in the movie, he says, "She told you what you needed to hear." Okay. Mm-hmm. That's she what put he... him on the path. Right. She showed him the door, okay. but he had to walk through it. So Morpheus basically knew oh. what she was saying. Well, the whole, the whole, the the whole thing is that it's about belief. Morpheus is trying to get Neo to believe. believe that he's he... trying to get him to believe that he's faster, stronger, more capable than he is. He's trying to get him to believe that he can leap literal buildings he's getting him to believe that he is the one trying to get him to free his mind free which is mind a really which is a really important concept i feel like because it does not paint neo as the one i always felt this with the matrix i felt like neo was just a one neo was a guy that could just hit reach this level it was never about ha- finding that specific person out there who was like you know prophecy he wasn't wasn't about finding the second coming of literal Jesus Christ. It was about finding someone with the capabilities of being like Jesus Christ. Someone the same thing with Neo. Like I'm sure there were plenty of people in the Matrix 
that gi- given their circumstances, they could free their mind. All those kids. And it, it, I'm sure plenty of them had the potential. It was just all about making the right choices and choosing to believe in yourself and believe in the things you do, especially the things you do, uh, is what made him the one. It's what made him capable. It made him to it walked him to the point of denying his own death. He gets up not because he is some biblical figure. He gets up because he realizes his death means nothing in here. It, he, he decides not to die in the Matrix, so he doesn't die. Some rules are, can be bent. Some rules can be broken. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the because I mean, with the scene we're talking about in the Oracle's apartment too. I mean, that little kid with the spoon. I feel like that's huge. Mm-hmm. The whole there is no spoon because I, I think that's ultimately what that whole scene is about. Is the Oracle saying, you know, or really trying to plant the seed that look, you're don't worry about the particulars necessary, you know, necessarily of this world, this construct. It doesn't exist, so there are no rules, basically. You notice, kind of jumping ahead here, but it was during the rescue, when he's on the elevator, he says, there is no spoon. That is him really starting to believe, fuck, I can do this. He hasn't fully come oh, to accept that he's the one, but he's definitely starting to see that he can... See, I thought that was different. I thought he was saying it as, like, well, he was shooting the elevator out from underneath him. I thought he was saying, there is no spoon. Like do this right it's not going to kill you you're just shooting this elevator oh yeah right he was hyping himself up yeah right so he was starting to believe that he could do it because he was like realizing like none of this is actually happening Mm -hmm. so there's no actual consequences which i mean obviously no but that's (laughs) right in the matrix if you say if you believe there are no consequences then there are no consequences that's where the mind makes it that's true he does like i said he chooses not to die because death it doesn't exist in your program if your mind and program never choose to die right then there's no reason you can't keep living gravity means nothing so he chooses to just ignore it so I feel like we're just jumping right into Act 5 here. I I just want to touch a little bit on Act 4. We'll go back. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Did you have something you want to say, Mark? Oh, no. I I was just saying, I meant... I didn't see it as him starting to believe. I meant, I I saw it as him still needing to convince himself. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting way to... Like, that he was on his way, but he was still needing to, like, say that. Yes. Yeah, that's... Letting go of the process. I feel like that's semantics of it, but... Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah. I love that point, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I just meant that was why I made the counter compliment. That was why I made the counterpoint to what Colin was saying in the first place. Right, and I think Ben was right saying it is kind of a little bit of both. Or was that Jason that said it? One of you said it. I think it was you. What the fuck, Jason? (laughs) Whatever. You're both sitting over there. I'm just getting. I say a lot of really smart things. I lose track. <laughs> I must have added all yes, that. <laughs> uh, so then we go into Act Four, which is the rescue of Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus is captured as they're trying to return from the Oracle. Uh, they get to their phone in this uh, unused Australian building. Um, uh, it was a didgeridoo factory. <laughs> Sales dropped off after the big injury disaster of 1998. Mouse gets his really kick-ass scene where he's just loaded up with two machine guns. 
uh, and then I, loaded up with bullets. I felt his death when yeah, I was a was kid. Rough. When it was when kid, was, this time I, around, I didn't care. Well, because you're expecting it at this point. But for 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 a little seven year old who's like like I remember Mission Impossible. Sorry if you haven't seen it. You should have seen it by Which now. Which one, two? The or... first one. Oh. When the girl who betrayed him dies, I was like, oh, they'll make up. Boom, she dies. I'm like, what? It's the same thing here with Mouse. I'm like, oh, he'll be okay. It's it, it, He's the good guy. And he just fucking dies. And I was like, what? So Mouse was also the youngest member of the crew, this scrappy kid that was super excited about everything, which kind of hit everybody like most of us at the table most all of us at the table who were young watching this they yeah. were the person you could relate to the most so it was meant to hit you hard yeah and then and then and then what came next was even worse yeah. it was it was tough to watch as a kid it's, it's even still tough to watch now like the worst way to go out in my opinion is do you do you want to I Lead think us to that story. I point think out. that was We're there. I think. I think that was there just to elicit. It's a response because Sadness. honestly, Mouse, Apoc, and Switch, I think all have the least amount of characterization. They were safe characters to delete. And, no, but Mouse, even then, still. He had some more characterization than Switch and Apoc, but. They were. They, they were throwaways, basically. Right. I mean, I'm more lovable than Trinity it. at that point, really, character development-wise. He's creating women in red dresses. I, as a 29-year-old man, can appreciate a woman in a red dress. <laughs> Thematically, they were there to die. To you know, it's I you know I you I always talk about red how shirts. I I right I hate underdeveloped characters. I hate characters that are used for plot devices. You know, um, in this case, I you know it's it's a bummer to see them die the way they did. But they're there for Neo to uh, to kind of bring the walls in around Neo and force him to make his choice in a little bit more of a chaotic and stressful situation. Um, once they're gone, it's just him and Trinity at this point. They're the only ones. And Tank. And Tank. Come on. Well, who can go in? Like, okay. at the end of the day, when, gotcha. you know, yeah. Tank does everything he can. He's a fantastic character. He's a wonderful quarterback. But at the end of the day, if Trinity and, and Neo come up against agents, which they do, Tank's like, oh, that sucks. Damn. Okay, but he programmed that dope-ass Huey piloting skill into Trinity. Wonderful. No, he's great. And, like, the whole idea of operators is, like, the coolest thing. It's, I think, like, the reason, like, the Matrix online never worked is because you needed to feel the operator behind you who could help you. So, fun fact, in 1998, Eight, there was a verbal agreement to bring that actor that played Tank back for the next two two films, and in two thousand, th it was two thousand one or something like that. They actually made a written agreement. Oh, and they still didn't bring him back, and he actually tried to take them to court or like Warner Bros. to court. And yeah, I do remember. He lost that. and got buried into time, but uh, so that kind of sucks because I actually didn't mind his character. I thought he was. I thought it was Link, a great character. And good. Link was cool. Link was a fun addition. We shouldn't talk about this. Yeah, we can't okay. talk about that. But so before we get too far, though, I yeah, do want to... talk about Link's Awakening, right? Oh, of course. Phenomenal. But uh, <laughs> Before we get too far, I do want to say I think they really pulled the rug out on me when I was a kid. And even to this day, like rewatching it, because Switch, she's the one who wears white in the group. Everybody else is all black. Mm -hmm. She wears white. And 
every interaction with her makes you feel like she's going to be so important to later stuff. Mm. Yeah. And they just pull the plug, literally. Yeah. And it devastated me as a kid because you're like, why? Why is she wearing all white as opposed to all them wearing black? Why is all this like it really it makes you feel more for her death? even in the fact they haven't had a chance to develop her character fully. There's a lost potential feeling there. Exactly. Yeah, where you're like, you, you, you felt like there was a future for that character. That Which was such a in your head. beautiful way to make you feel her loss more. I think that maybe that's just a very clever uh, uh, device for making you feel an impact in that death. I mean, you've got the one guy, he's a brother. You've got, uh, you know... Her. Yeah, exactly. You've got we've all said why we why we thought Mouse's death was uh, uh, significant. And then for her, it's your imagination runs wild the whole time you're seeing her in the film as to what she's going to do later on. But APOC can rot in hell. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> he seemed like a good guy. I but, mean, uh. yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, what what does he say when he hands Neo the gun? It's like his most actual. It's like you. This is only this. lie. No, I thought he says like. <laughs> did he say like I hope you're worth it or something like that? Yes, yes, yes. It's yes. something. It's something like I hope you know how to use this. And or... that just shows on the spectrum where he falls of believer and non-believer. Like he's following Morpheus. Was he... it? Was it? I hope no, Morpheus was right about you or yeah. something. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah something yeah. to yeah. that extent. Our collective memories. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just fucking watched it yesterday. <laughs> so we get to the awesome part of act four where they load up with guns and honestly i loved it so much when i was a kid but now as an adult when they're in that that lobby that first floor that fights i was just like <laughs> come on come on let's yes. get to the let's get to the yeah. speech oh, between no. uh agent smith and uh, morpheus i love that scene now do you know how much time is left in the movie when they load in and get the guns 20 minutes 40 minutes yep. god damn i checked it is the most action-packed 40 minutes in any film ever. I, I don't even need to go ch double-check my sources to be like, this is true. I, I think you should probably watch a Marvel movie again. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's the most action-packed good film that ha has ever had in the last 40 minutes. You screwed me up. <laughs> yes. regardless it, oh man like i'm still thinking about it the whole the, none of it stops none of it slows down none of it makes me go move on like every part of it like i even was like what leading up to it i was like i was like dodge this is cool but i just feel like it's not gonna like live up to it anymore and i watched it, i'm like holy fucking shit dodge this yeah. asshole oh, no. there, there was no <laughs> scene where i was like oh that was cheesy why did they go with that the whole movie, shot for shot, well, I still love. For as many times as I've seen it, I still got goosebumps at the uh, the bullet time scene. Oh, so good. I mean, I literally did. I was sitting there on my couch, and all of a sudden, I'm just like, what the hell? And I looked down, and I got goosebumps, and I'm like, whoa. When you guys say bullet time, you're referring to the, like, yes, okay, the, the bullet dodging. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, how many of us pretended to be Neo dodging bullets as a oh. kid? Absolutely. As a kid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Up until Eight now. Eight years old. I had, oh, I had, I had my trench coat on. Now I'm just like... Nope. Don't, don't do it. So we, we actually keep a mattress in the laundry room just for Matt <laughs> to put I down. Love, and I love that question. Limbo master since that question, that question to me, Eric, leads me to think of what else you would consider bullet time. 
And I'm just oh. picturing one of the characters going, it's bullet time. Bullet <laughs> <laughs> time is when they start shooting up the lobby. <laughs> just they invented that, actually. Yeah. How, how do you ruin an entire movie with one line? Wow. <laughs> it's bullet time. Would that actually ruin the movie? I think it would be... Ex I think... I think it might. I think it would, I put, it, think I think it would put the movie at number a, one. Well, I think it would put a dent. So, this gets us to the Agent Smith uh, speech to Morpheus. So good. Which is probably one of the better scenes in the movie. Uh, you just want me to insert that whole dialogue in? There's two of them. It's a little long. The first one's really good, but the second one, when he unplugs and takes his earpiece out, that's the best one. He's off the record. He's telling him, I gotta go, I can't keep doing this. So here's the thing, he's saying, Bill, you looked at it as he doesn't want to be in the Matrix anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes. I looked at it as, I don't want to exist anymore. Because he doesn't exist outside of the Matrix. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think you're partially right. I think he would rather not exist than to continue in the Matrix. I think he's looking for Zion, he wants to live... Somehow, he said he needs the codes he for Zion. Living. He right? says, once I get into the Zion and destroy Zion, uh -huh. is what he's looking at, I don't have to be here anymore. Like, I don't right. have to exist. They don't need me anymore. Right. Yes. what he right. says. That's, I, I, so we don't know enough about sentinel structure of hierarchy, you know, especially looking at this as a standalone film. Don't look at this as two and three, because they added a lot of shit in that doesn't make sense. Can you not? Look at this. <laughs> he hates when you Smith talk. Smith says very plainly. He says that he just needs to be at, he needs the access codes to the Zion mainframe. If he gets them, he doesn't, they don't need him anymore. He doesn't want to be here anymore. He doesn't say he doesn't want to exist anymore. He says he doesn't want to be here and anymore. Is he saying that he specifically is going to be in the Zion Mayframe mainframe? Or no, is no, he no. saying just he's no. saying he's saying give them to me so I can blow that shit up? Yes. And I, I could give them to the people who are gonna blow that shit so up. I, I took it as he wants to fill his purpose and just not exist anymore because he hates he's a fucking millennial meme. But he also See, okay, but wants he, to be dead. He if, he's done with it all. If he wants to just fulfill his purpose, he would operate as the other agents do. I feel like, the but he's that scene specifically separates him from the others. It shows that he has he's not uh, he's not doing this because that's what he's programmed to do. He's doing this because he wants something out of it. That's why this is the scene that cements Smith as like the villain of the film. Because he he has motivation, whereas the other agents just seem to be doing their job. He's as zealous in his destruction of Zion as Morpheus is in finding the one. Ooh. Morpheus' yeah. sole purpose Ooh. in life is to find the one. He was told, you will find the one. Smith was programmed specifically to destroy Zion. There's something about Did his coding that makes him hyper zealous in this function yeah he's incredibly emotional did agent smith have to go see that program the oracle at one point no agent smith don't have to see the oracle. i know he's just a, he's a construct just like she is right well maybe there's a maybe there's a uh, computer oracle 
Well, Probably not. Maybe maybe he works for Oracle Soft. I, I'm I'm with Colin though. I I really feel like uh, Agent Smith would rather just stop existing because I feel like there are a lot of pulled punches. There are a lot of times when he could have ended the film and he didn't. And I feel like he is almost supposed to be this uh, corrupt version of what the other agents are. I mean, he's obviously like uh, like leading them. But something about his his greater intelligence has made him this angry, hateful. He'd rather just have it all over whichever side wins. So he's just playing whatever's the best until he gets angry enough that he wants to fight. He's the the source code and everybody else is a diluted copy. I was going to say you are absolutely right, Eric, because, I mean, there's so much symbolism. I mean, the earpiece, obviously, he's broken from the hive mind. You know, they finish each other's sentence. They understand that, you know, they have group thought and everything. But he's decided to be a renegade in a certain way. He says, I need Zion and I want to get out of here and I need the source code so that I can go wherever I want and not in the matrix anymore, you know? And that's even more evidence for why he doesn't want to just be destroyed. He wants to get out. He wants to go live his life. We just don't know what that looks like. Well, we do, but not within the I concept. I think he points it. I think he says he's he's infected. He feels infected no. by what the people are. And I think he feels like because they made him to try to make him more and more sentient to beat these humans, he becomes something that he hates. He feels corrupted and infected and defective. No. He doesn't say he hates himself. You're you're looking into this too much when he does when he Smith say, lays it out for us. You can't. don't need to you don't need to read between the lines because Smith gives us the information. He says, I hate this place. I hate the smell. I hate humans. He said it's he infecting say, me. He says it feels like it, I'm being in the matrix is infecting him. He yeah. feels awful being here. He feels like it's them that's the problem. So he wants to get out. He wants to stop hunting them. He doesn't want to die. He wants to stop hunting them and he wants to go find something else. He says, I, if he says like, I want to fulfill, if he would have said like, you know, if, if I, if I destroy Zion and uh, you know, I, I can finally rest or something like that. I would probably be like, sure. But he says, I want to get out. (laughs) He doesn't say I want to die. He says, I want to leave this place. I think it comes down to how you feel about, you know, how we all feel about the scene. I don't think we can really nail down which one is. Yeah. I I don't want to eternally argue. I mean, he is a program in the matrix. So once the matrix is, oh, I guess the matrix would keep running. So he would still potentially. Yes, but his purpose. Oh, you're right. He wouldn't be needed in the Matrix anymore. His purpose is to get access to Zion, the mainframe. And I guess the point of arguing over this is is stupid because we actually know what he wants. I just don't want to. I don't want (laughs) to reference them. So this concludes Act Four. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. You know what? I liked it when I first saw it as a kid and I liked it now with Neo just sitting on the side of a Huey firing a minigun into the side of a skyscraper. But now I've kind of realized that he's kind of blind firing into that. (laughs) No, he's not. (laughs) No, he's literally believing. I thought the same thing at first. I was like, I know I thought the same thing. I was like, he could easily hit and hit Morpheus. And I'm like, Oh, but he won't. Because he's he not believes aiming he's not going to hit Morpheus. Right. He's, he's aiming for the agents, and it doesn't matter how wildly firing he is, he's not going to hit Morpheus because he's not aiming for Morpheus. 
I will believe that. I will. That makes sense. Um, Morpheus makes the leap of faith. Yeah. Neo reaches out and grabs him. This is kind of that final acceptance that, all right, he is the one highlighted with when he saves Trinity. Even Tank is a believer at that point. They all are. It's cemented it. And there, I would say this is where we jump into Act 5, which is the final fight between Agent Smith and uh, Neo Neo. in the subway, which I love the New York, uh, was it Sage, uh, Sagebrush? It's the newspaper Oh yeah, by. the I tumbleweed, love it. and they're both sitting there like they're about to have a shootout. Yeah, absolutely, and um, they do have a shootout. Yep, except <laughs> it's in bullet time. Yep, so good. Da, 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 oh, and da, the jump da, in the da, air, da. the jump in the air, and the firing, and the heads moving. It's just like, and they grab onto each other, and then it just, you're out. So are you. So bullet good. time's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now it now it's fist time. Oh. But it, it, but this is where it shows that even though Neo has become fast and strong, he, he believes that he is in the Matrix. He can defeat in combat Agent Smith. He still hasn't become the one yet, though. Fully right. Well, he can't beat Agent Smith. Agent Smith is a program that is only ever known the Matrix. Neo has this flawed human concept of what his abilities are even still. yes yes mm-hmm. so he's got to overcome a natural denizen of he has to transcend he has to understand what it's like to be life more than itself machine. he has to raise himself to smith's level raise in himself from the dead to smith's level well which go to the smith's i really enjoyed that it fulfills a prophecy because the oracle tells him you know you either you or morpheus is going to die right so neo dies yep. Saving Morpheus, but then he is reborn as the one, which going from that fight scene that they have, which I thought was great. And really, we haven't really talked much about just the the action in general, because I know we were kind of focusing on some more kind of concrete like themes and everything, which is great. But I mean, just like we talked about a little bit earlier, the whole last 40 minutes of the movie is just incredible. I mean, all the the action pieces have all become iconic. Every scene, I mean, every scene. The the lobby scene, the uh, you know scene where they get the minigun and Morpheus jumps out, and then you have uh, the Trinity scene where you know she, which I thought the perspective of it was really cool too, because it's actually from inside a building when she. Uh, you have the helicopter crashes, and then she's hanging from the uh, the rope or whatever, and then smashes in the window. But it's really, I mean, the I think the lead up to that subway fight scene, which is just incredible. I mean, the the gunplay stuff, the fighting, um, just everything is great. And then it's kind of like you get that chase scene before they get to the hotel, which I thought was kind of cool that they bring it back to the very beginning of the film because um, it's the same hotel. It's the same room. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, it's wow. just from okay. the very beginning of the movie, which I thought was really cool. But. Yeah, just the fact that obviously what they did was a riff on things that had come before, but the way that they were able to just create something fresh out of that that would go on to inspire 20 years worth of, you know, video games, other films, just the the aesthetic of it in general, I thought was just incredible. Yeah. 
Oh, it just dawned on me. When he keeps calling him Mr. Anderson and he says, my name is Neo, that's him officially killing off Thomas Anderson. Tom Anderson. And it's doubting Thomas is over. And it's uh, going back to what Bill was talking about, Smith continuing to try and exert control over him mentally. And he realized, I think Smith in some way realizes that while he could still beat him, it, I I think Smith is worried in a certain sense. There's every this dude represents everything he's worked for falling apart right here, and if he gets away, he's screwed. So by calling him Mister Anderson, he continues to try and break him down to to beat him. If he can't beat him physically, he's going to beat him mentally. Yeah, I think you're that's just absolutely right. Um, all right, guys, it's uh been doing this for quite a bit of time now, so we're gonna go around the table. Are we really going to do good sci-fi, bad sci-fi for this movie? Very briefly, very briefly. I was going to say, if if anything, we should talk very briefly about what our favorite scene is, I think. Do you want to skip good sci-fi, bad sci-fi? Because I think we're all in agreement. I think Mm -hmm. uh, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't... Right. (laughs) 20 years later, yeah. Well, I mean, we watched Event Horizon. Anybody think this is bad sci-fi? Raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you. A, I'll give the non-visual uh, audience that. I'll, Nobody I'll go, raise their hand. I'll go around the table uh, with with one other question here. Who would put this in their top ten? This is I in think, top yeah. three for me. Bill Jarvis. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have before rewatching it again. It's been so long for me that I forgot a lot of things, and it, the movie had way more depth than I remember giving it credit for. Yeah. Honestly. There's just as much action as I remember, but the content in the character development time is so solid that I would definitely say top ten. Yeah, yeah, and top top three for me. It's, it's so it's such an interesting perspective because, and I don't want to date you, Eric. I would. In general, <laughs> I do. I don't want to be, he's I a mean, handsome if, man, but you know, if the topic I love the is job, here, I, uh, you know, no, um. I mean, all of us are in our late 20s or early 30s. We come from this odd perspective where John Carpenter's The Thing came out before most of us were born. A lot of these other quintessential sci-fi Star Trek came out before any of us were born. Um, this is a this is a distinctly this is a movie distinctly in our time. I, I hate to say it, but this is the Star Wars. This is the Star Wars generation. of our generation. That's probably fair. Even yeah. more Star than Wars the Star Wars out, that came out during our generation. Our Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, we're getting our second trilogy, so... No, I'm not talking about that. Um, but it's... Yeah, this is really... This is a movie that is in distinctly our time frame. We all saw this when we were probably too young to see it. Now coming back, looking at it through an analytical lens, you really can see that there is tremendous depth. It's more than just a cool, you know, kung fu cyberpunk movie. It's this deep philosophical dive as to what mean what it means to be human as a whole. Like what humanity means in a growingly technological age. In a growingly technological age, you know. It's it's I also love um I know a lot of people have final thoughts. I'm just gonna say that I love that they said 1999 was the peak of our human civilization. And I think they were right in saying that. <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of <laughs> falling apart before we burn ourselves to the ground. So Y2K was a mistake. Not letting that happen. Or what if it did happen and we're actually just in the matrix now? So yeah, we're not going to do good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. 
I honestly think doing favorite scenes will be a little too lengthy. Yeah. There there was one thing that we that I didn't get to touch on that I thought was interesting. Um Mouse mentions uh when they're talking about the girl in the red dress, he says to to deny uh to deny our impulses um what is it to deny our impulses uh, to, is deny to deny the, the very thing. thing that makes us human which is interesting because well for one thing them waking up from the matrix puts them in this bleak place where there is very little little to no enjoyment in their day-to-day uh but also he's saying that relating to the program he wrote to escape from the reality that he's in into the matrix as it like a sexual impulse and enjoyment so i i thought that was interesting that's incredible so so i feel like i know you noticed that quote that's bertrand russell that's the where that quote came from it's incredible because that is basically the thesis of the movie is that the thing that makes us human and not machines is the fact that we're animals it's the fact that we have impulses the fact that there we find a reason to do things whereas machines just do what they're programmed to do and that's what makes us human that's that was a really good catch way to go mark you really saved the podcast <laughs> yeah you really you just really myself in the back you really crushed this one mark good job <laughs> but where does, oh, shucks guys the mark botker podcast <laughs> all right the where, academy award and podcast. where does the leather club play into this um <laughs> So the human desire to wear leather. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> so so I, I, I know we're like wrapping it up, but can we just talk about wearing another creature's skin? I'll do it right now. <laughs> Colin, wrap the podcast. Colin, wrap the podcast. Mark, <laughs> Mark I'm going to need to borrow your skin. I, I mean, where do you draw the line? Really? Wait, was, there, was there any? No one was wearing leather in the real world, right? Well, no, leather doesn't exist no, in the real world. Holy shit. Animals, animals think, don't exist in the real world anymore. I think the leather, it's really important to, so... This is actually my final, like, the last thing I want to say about the film. It, it, the, so, when I read Treasure Island for the first time... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to the Leather Podcast. It's a podcast within a podcast. I'll make this really quick. Let when I read Treasure Island for the first time, my teacher said to the class, this is going to seem like a really stupid book because there are peg legs and parrots and blackbeard pirates. But that's because that set the tone for every pirate book and movie that was ever made after that. cliche. Oh. So there's a lot of cliche stuff in this film, but that's because right. it was so good it was that so it made moth. it a cliche because everybody wanted to be just like People this. forget a that good that was point. what cyberpunk okay, very right. good point. That's where cyberpunk came well, from. That's what cyberpunk came from. It was all leather and hackers oh, okay. and gloves right. that are like computer <laughs> fingerless gloves yeah. and like yeah. keyboards on their pants. I thought you were saying cyberpunk came from the Matrix. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hate to break it to you. No, 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 no. no, no. This was a very cyberpunk movie. All right. Yes. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. We uh, went down a very fun path of we nostalgia. Went down a hole. I love that we analyzed this 20 years later or what have you. Uh, movie still holds up. It really does. Wachowskis did a good job. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that they're making more Matrix movies, but... We don't talk about that. We don't dissect it. We don't tell you what we think about that. <laughs> um, we will, though. We probably will. 
maybe. Um, maybe. That's all I'll say. Maybe if maybe. there is a uh, a downturn, a dead time in new sci-fi coming out, maybe we could even revisit the other Matrix film. Well, well, they got to make them first. They haven't come out with well, them. Yeah, I think, I think it's they're referring to the... I think, I think those got lost in production hell. I think so, yeah. <laughs> Which I quality know, concerns. I, quality I didn't know concerns. this, but two and three came out in the same fucking year. Wow. I forgot about that. Oh, shit. Really? They I did. 2003. Yeah. Both yeah. were 2003. We were arguing they about it. They shot them back to back. Which is a weird, huh? A problem, obviously. But actually, Why? Not, but now that you think about it, it makes save money. It makes sense. Oh it's a, it saved a ton of money in production. That's why they did it. They didn't have the Pantaleano to pay, so they were. Oh they were god, to I save didn't get some. to talk about him more. Shit. All right. Anyways, <laughs> that's what the Lord everyone, trilogy did. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have the time, please give a like and subscribe, and most importantly, leave a review. Cannot stress that enough. So thanks. Okay, so it never found its way, like there was no good introduction to it, but this viewing, I definitely was watching the fact that, like, with the bug, it was a bug in the code kind of a thing. And then I was like, what makes him the one? And all I could think of was his, he had administrative privileges. <laughs> that was all I could think of for, like, the end scene. When he was, he was like, no bullets, he was just like... Admin password. <laughs> yeah. You were gunning for that singer, weren't no, you, Matt? Admin, admin Motorola. <laughs> <laughs>